Hello, everybody. It's Michael Martin. Thank you for being here. Happy Tuesday. So, one of the things I do to keep my mental health in check is I'm actively engaged in a whole host of things, you know, outside of the markets. It just keeps my brain going and keeps, uh, keeps me having what I would consider a balance as I would subjectively define that. I think everyone finds their own balance of whatever combination of ingredients works for you. It's probably something to replicate, you know, and to uh, do day, day after day after day. Um, I do lots of things that interest me uh, cerebrally. I also exercise quite a bit. Um, and that all adds up to several hours a day. Because um, I think that's necessary. So part of being active and thinking of this as a marathon, you need to, well, I anyway, I eat pretty well. You know, no one really talks about diet. They talk about meditation, yoga, this, that, or the other thing. And it's great because it's an integral part of having, you know, a stable base. But I think you also have to consider, you know, in this, um, you know, rest and you have to think about diet. Not going on a diet, but just as a process, right? Your diet is a process of ingesting nourishment, right? So the other day, I was shopping at a store, and I buy lots of fruits and vegetables. And uh, without getting preachy, I just need a lot of calories for the activity level that I carry. So I do have to eat well. And it's not that I don't have a sweet tooth. I do. I have a big one, in fact. It's just that I have to keep that sucker in check because I have the type of metabolism where I can burn any type of calorie. I don't care if it's pizza, pasta or pizza, even, you know, cookies or sweets, right? Um, but what ends up happening is I don't have the longer-term energy that I need to sustain everything that I do, right? So you'll find me typically, you know, getting lots of fruits and vegetables. I like nuts as well. Um, mindful of the fat content. Um, but anyway, I went to go get um, a bag of, of nuts. These these uh, They make shelled pistachios. And every once in a while when I want to grab something on the way out, if I have a banana or an apple with some peanut butter or, you know, this and that, I'll grab a handful of pistachios again you know some of you might want to be mindful of um these particular ones are salted and uh nonetheless i went to you know the aisle if you shop at the same store you kind of know where everything that you need typically is just out of habit right you go down the thing and some of you might may or may not want anything from half and half to other types of dairy to milk to oat milk to whatever it is for your you know, for your cooking, for your coffee, whatever it might be in the morning, the tea. And then, you know, so you have your fruits and vegetables section, then you have, you know, all the different aisles, as it said, has, they have different things. So I go to grab my, um, the bag or where I would find typically the pistachios, you know, and they're not there. There's a whole other thing that they've put up. It's like, you know, coconut chips and bana dried banana and all that kind of fun stuff. And so I was like, well, you know, tried to look around. I don't mind asking for directions. 
but I went and got, uh, you know, the folks who work there. And I just said, hey, I was looking for these, you know, did you, you stop carrying them? I said, oh, no, we have them. We just moved them, you know, over here to the back of the row. And uh, without getting into the psychology of where certain things are in the store, usually they want, you know, foot traffic for you to see certain stuff and your impulse purchases by the cash register. And it got me thinking that, what you're seeing in the local pistachio market is exactly what you're seeing in the market with the sector rotation stuff is that the stocks will still be there, but I don't think they're going to be the darlings that you go to each and every day to make your money. Um, if you're looking at like some of the tech names or Tesla or this and that, um, they're still there. You can still trade them. Uh, I think the charts are destroyed in a lot of ways for long investors, but the worst thing you don't you don't want to start downtiming. If you can't see it in the daily, then you can't see it. Um, I would stay out of you know intraday charts on on the momentum names that are weakening. The worst thing you can do is get sucked back into something that worked last year, but might not be the darling for twenty twenty one. And uh, it's going to take a while for the chart to rebuild itself to the point where I think you could trade off the dailies. In the meantime, you need to search for new names um, and let go of the past, so to speak, because those charts are going to take a long time to rebuild. Um, so you could sit on your hands and do nothing, or you could keep looking at the same names and wonder what's happening. It goes without saying that if you're carrying a margin balance, you should probably offset that to some degree or a large of all of it. Typically, when these if you're in those rotational names, this has happened about a million times. Maybe you haven't experienced it yet, but, you know, you have to also, if, if you're in the investment advising world, you know, coach your clients that these names could have massive pullbacks, and I'm talking 50 plus percent. So that's a, that's a conversation you'd want to have with your client, obviously, before you get there. Um, tape seems heavy across the board, as far as I can see. Of course, every day there's a new list of 52-week highs for sure. Um, just the tenor of the market, this and that. Not that I don't have a bet on, but my guess is uh, that the lows are not in, at least in the U.S., but you never know. You always have to play superior defense. We talked about that, I think, yesterday. So doesn't matter if you're using margin. doesn't matter if you're using options or futures. Your job, no matter what, is to play superior defense and... You know, there's a lot of uncertainty, as always, and I think the, you know, the retail crowd's kind of coming to understand the hard way that, you know, going online and finding a data source is interesting, and it's fun to be part of a community, but it's not a trading edge. And you have to remember that not only do you only want to trade when you have an edge, even with that edge, your first order of business is to play superior defense. That can start with a type of asset allocation um, to some degree, right? You don't want to have, I think if you're trying to trade 40 names, it's probably too much and you'll get returns, but you're not going to get like market wizard st style returns if that's what you're going for. You know, and a lot of that has to do with, are you running your own money? Do you run client money? Or are you building a track record for an allocation? Um so keep that in mind. 
but cash don't forget when you when you diversify from stocks into cash cash is a position it's dry powder right and so that's important to understand that it's not necessarily a name that's going to make you any money obviously because there's no return on cash it used to be you know at least get something from your money markets but so you have to make sure that you have ample ample dry powder um, to take advantage when the moves start to happen again. That might require you to sit on your hands for a while, especially if you trade a specific type of a setup. When the markets go into the into a corrective mode or a rotational sec sector rotation like you're seeing now, you know you can go back and study those in history and see what it looked like. You know when. You know what was happening in uh you know in the tech you know that was obviously a, a severe correction but what you could look and see those charts what did they look like not just on like three to six months but what did it look like over say one to two years what kind of patterns could you see because the longer term daily charts reveal a lot more than say some kind of cup and handle um deal or even head and shoulders up or down you can start to see that across multiple time frames you know that can help you develop your edge to go through the types of situations that we're in right now but i guess the moral of the story is that you do have to be a little bit promiscuous with um your thought process and the names the thought process and your ethos your trading style is largely you know probably won't change that much overnight um although you will have to adapt to the markets but i think what you can do and what you should be doing is, you know, don't go back to the empty well, especially if these names are in downtrends, which, you know, a name like Tesla, for example, which gets mentioned a lot, is. And I don't think it, it's wise to go against the grain and try to trade a bounce because that's really just guesswork and guesswork is gambling. You're better off waiting um, and figure out actually why are you married to the name? Why do you have to make your money back in that particular name? When there's other things that are actually exhibiting, you know, a bull bullish tendencies, for example, a much more clear picture. I find that for traders and investment advisors alike, they get too connected to these names that they've made money with and they want to kind of come back. But you have to remember that it's the collective experience of everybody who's in the market that's pushing the stocks one way or the other. And so if the professionals have averted their focus, um, then you need to kind of consider where where is the focus then? So this way, you can always have your money working for you in one way, shape, or form. And sitting on your hands and being in cash is suboptimal for sure, but being in cash is a lot better than being long something that's going down and losing money. So you have to think of these opportunity costs. It's hard to do. I've been there myself. You know, you feel happy that you were in, you know, months ago, you were in the zone. You nailed the trade. You got on. You made your money. And maybe you got off. Maybe you get back in, depending on your style and your time frame of and how much you hold. But just like, uh, you know, the sun rises, the sun sets. So I think it's important to keep some some mental health around this and just realize that when you go to the marketplace on any given day, what you were looking at or were looking for might be in a different place. And therefore, you might want to try an alternative in the short run 
just to keep your money moving for you and to keep open-minded, to stay balanced and to be objective. I think it's hard if you lose your objectivity because uh, now you're emotionally invested in the outcome of a specific instrument that has to behave a certain way. And that's tough. It's tough to do with people who do nothing but probably let you down. And it's tough to do with stocks where you have expectations of how things should go. And um, it's best to stay balanced during these times and not get emotionally invested in the outcome of any one particular deal. Admittedly, though, I know if you have a set of rules that you follow, it's entirely possible that you could put a trade on and lose money. And that can be frustrating, especially after you've had several losses in a row. So that's a case where you probably want to slow down, cut your frequency, you know, take a day or two off, cut your position sizes for sure. I think it's it's a mistake to kind of take it in the teeth. If what you're doing isn't working in the overall market environment right now, it's the market communicating with you that it's not the right time for what it is that you do. And that's going to happen from time to time. Recognizing that more sooner than later is also very, very handy in helping you preserve your cash. Because the more cash you preserve, the less of a drawdown you have to dig out of, right? So just remember, kind of all ties into a whole bunch of episodes where we've spoken. A lot of volatility doesn't necessarily mean an opportunity if it's not your setup. On any given day, it could just be a bunch of noise, right? And that's the trick, is to understand what's signal, what's noise. I think a lot of it's, a lot more of it than you might even imagine is noise on any given day. And trying to, you know, find a signal from that noise is, is the rub over the long haul. And if what you're doing isn't working, doesn't mean that the system is bad. It just means that the market environment isn't amenable for your style or for your asset class or for your sector. And so you have to wait or make a pivot, right? But in that regard, you know, we talk about asset allocation when you cut your position sizes in half. Um, you know, you're preserving cash. That's playing defense. It's still taking the signals, but that is also affecting your asset allocation because if you're trading smaller across all your positions, you'll have less money, you know, committed. So I agree that, you know, if you're looking to make 50, 50 plus percentage points a year, again, depending on, this all needs context, right? It depends what you're trying to do. If you're trying to build a, a track record to get allocations, it goes without saying that you need to make money, but you also need to be mindful of the ratio between what you make and your drawdown because low drawdowns are highly rewarded um, in that space, right? So again, if you're going after three, four, five hundred percent or more a year, um, you know, you might be inviting, you know, bigger drawdowns or more frequent drawdowns um, depending on how you get into those positions, right? Because you don't need to have Tesla go from 100 to 900 in order to make a 1,000%. What really comes down to is you can find names that move. Like, I know people that made made bank in terms of, you know, three-figure returns, even looking at things like Disney, right? So, so the question is, is like, you don't necessarily need to see something that's going to go from five cents to $500, you know, and have 50,000 shares. It's more a question of your entries, your exits, what kind of leverage are you using while you have your risk on, right? Anyway, 
little off the topic for today, but we'll get back to it maybe some other time this week. The most important thing is that if the level of uncertainty of what's going on in the marketplace has you concerned because the names through which you've made your returns for the past, who knows, three to 18 months, those winners rotate and it's time to find some new names. Little uh, sector rotation, little crop rotation in your portfolio garden, so to speak, wouldn't hurt. Um, because you could be adding to your own sense of frustration if you keep going back to the names that you had made money with once before. And if history tells us anything, when you see these gigantic moves, you know that there's potential for even larger pullbacks, right? And drawdowns in the particular name without it saying anything about the fundamentals of the company, right? So you really have to pick your spots. And that's where I think people misunderstand the concept of market timing. In a lot of ways, it's not about the time, it's about price, right? Anyway, that's all I have for you today. If you'd like a free copy of my uh, the audiobook for The Inner Voice of Trading, it's at Martin Chronicle. Help yourself. Thanks for being here. I'll see you tomorrow.